This is Maddie Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? We have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two before we nursed. Listen, Laverne, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. It's the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about barbecue and grilling things right here every Tuesday live. We're recording it while we're doing it live. Then I put it out there, not live. We'll do it live. In podcast, Wednesdays and Thursdays. You knew that. You can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snappy Snap, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. You can find a video feed of the show live on Tuesday nights on Facebook. Still to come on this show, Robin Lindar's The Grill Girl coming up next segment. And closing out the show, Ben Arnott. From Smoking Hot Confessions. If you missed the first hour, Ray Lampy was my most recent guest and killed it. The guest before that was Stephen Reichlin, who had a Cleveland t-shirt on, and he was uh, kicking ass and taking names, so watch out! If you missed it, it'll be up and ready for you tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Uh, don't forget, coming up on Friday's edition of the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, expertly made for you by John Solberg, Michigan Embedded Correspondent, we'll go to episode 121, taking you back to March, no, April 16th, 2013. During the show, I talked with last segment guest Ray Dr. Barbecue Lampy, and we went in-depth on book writing. So at that time, 2013, that was seven years ago, a lot of people were asking me, how do I get in this book game? I got a book in me. I just need a hookup. I just need some clues. So I reached out to Ray and I said, hey, when you come on and you're doing this uh, Ask Dr. Barbecue segment, do you mind talking about um, do you mind talking about how you put together a book and let's get into it. How do you make contact? Are you contact? You know, blah, 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 blah. Can we do this? And he said, yeah, I'd be more than happy to talk about it. Now, subsequently, we've done similar chats with a meathead, with Stephen Reichlin, the most prolific live fire writer of our time. But I think when you start to think about people that have written live fire books, far and away, Stephen Reichlin, I think you ask anybody in the pinnacle or the high watermark is Stephen Reichlin, but I think maybe second, and I don't even think third, but I think second is Dr. Barbecue. Dr. Barbecue has written a number of live fire books at this point. I remember when the first one came out, and then the second one came out. Well, all of a sudden, Dr. Barbecue is an author of live fire. It's pretty insane. So now what has been even more exciting to follow is how has book writing changed over the last 10 years and 15 years. I think there was a time 20 years ago where if you were a really good book writer, you could that was your living. Like you could kill on books, especially if you sold, you could get a dynamic advance. You would earn through the advance and you would get residuals after the fact. And then again on reprints, you could make cash. That was a thing to reach for as you were coming up in the early 2000s, 2006, 2007, you get that, man, if I get that book deal, man, that would get me my milli. Not so much anymore. No, anybody can make a book. Not everybody makes a good book, but there are plenty of, uh, as a former embedded correspondent of the show, you said plenty of ways to get your, uh, 
plenty of ways to get to Chicago at this point. Let me get out of this. With this new software, so I'm anxiously trying to figure out if this new software is going to crap on me in the end or if it will pull through the solid two hours. I made it a pretty good ways last time, but, you know, right at the end, and it was only in my year, which was doubly frustrating, but nevertheless. So anyway, long way to go. If you want to hear how to get a barbecue book to market, from 2013, a lot of that content is evergreen, as we say, then you're going to want to make sure that you are a subscribed to the podcast and then you make sure that you grab and listen to the Friday show coming up, which is the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. 121 is the episode number on that. If you can believe it. way to go, John, 121. Holy All right. Well, rarely does this happen, but we have a phone call coming in. We go to, where is my, uh, where'd it go? Hold on a second. Oh, call just dropped off. Hold on one second. Well, I'm sure they'll call back in here in just one second. Um, go to, no. Oh, okay. Look here. We go to Chardon, Ohio. Caller, you're on the air in Chardon. Smoking it up. Smoking it up. With Smokey. Oh, yeah. Smokey's back, everybody. <laughs> Smokey, what's up? It's my new bit, Smoking It Up with Smokey. Do oh, you love it, Greg? I love it. I'm more loving the fact that now for the second time, I thought you would jump to your death, but you seem to be very oh, yeah. unsuccessful at bridge jumping, or you seem to be really good at bridge jumping. I told you, it's what Smokey yeah. does, baby. Yeah. I live. I jumped off that bridge, but all that water from Maddie and Kiki's shower created a waterfall situation, oh. and I rode that smoke fire grill like a toboggan down that waterfall to my safety. Few are as lucky as you, Smokey. Now, how has the coronavirus affected a social media influencer such as yourself? Uh, you are a bear after all, right? Influencer. I am a major influencer. Sorry. The biggest thing that's happening in Smokey's life is I have a cookbook coming up. You do? Corona cookbook. Yeah. I would ask you how you go about getting your own cookbook, but uh, that's a best of show coming up with Stephen Reichlin this Friday. Oh, everyone has a cookbook in 2020, Greg. We're all stuck inside. No doubt. Everybody's writing. What's your uh, current Instagram count, by the way? I know you were really stuck on 47. 47 was my number. Right. Supposed to be my number. I have horrible news. I'm at 70. What? 70 miserable followers. I need 47. All right. Well, here's a call out to the Centralites. If you're following at Barbecue Smokey on Instagram, start unfollowing immediately, if not sooner, to get down to 47. Uh, smoke horrible people following do you give your government out in instances like this or do you just like to give out the hand my governor your government what does this mean your real name your government my i'll give my real name out 24 7 baby my name's smoky smockfer smockfer Smockfer. Smockfer. All right. I like Smoky it. Smoky Smockfer. You know, let's talk about the hot thing to do on socials right now. I mean, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything since you are an influencer. Uh, and that's putting the social and the cooking skills to the test given the trying times that we're under. Give us a culinary day in the life of Smoky Smockfer. Oh, well, I'm glad you asked this because this is a chapter in my book. A day in the life of Smokey Smockfer starts with breakfast. And for breakfast, Smokey makes his mama an egg wave cranch cod omelet with Ritz. Really? Mm. Yes. Cranch? Egg wave cranch cod omelet with Ritz. All right. Mm. After lunch or after breakfast, are you eating lunch or are you not a lunch guy? Lunch. Always lunch. Oh. Mommy demands lunch. Oh. And when she's done eating, I eat a funky, fuzzy wiener dog with special sauce. 
What is that? You know those. No, I've never heard of it. It, you've heard of like burnt ends, but you haven't heard of a funky fuzzy wiener dog. No, I've never heard of it. Where do you get it? Well, you make it at home. First, you find a funky dog on the floor. Yeah. Then you wipe the dog hair off the funky dog. Oh dear. Then you egg wave that damn dog until you're ready to rock and roll. And you're and all, then you eat it with some special sauce. You're all Rinse about. You're all about egg wave. Is that your favorite method of cooking? It's how Mama taught me to cook. Hmm. I've never cooked with an egg wave. This is fascinating stuff. Uh, also, I see that you are a little partial to the Ritz. You said Ritz on the side for Funky Wiener Dog, but uh, were Ritz on on the side for the uh, breakfast preparation? Ritz is life, baby. Plus, we got to eat what's in the pantry. We've been stuck inside yes. for six months now because of the corona. No doubt. They're buttery golden discs that enhance every type of flavor profile. All right, you're done with lunch with your uh, Funky, fuzzy wiener dog, I think you said, with special sauce. Uh, what about That's dinner? Right. What are you doing for dinner? I'm interested. Then an hour later after lunch, Mama goes, I'm hungry. An hour and later. then I have to serve Mama her dish of reverse seared fish stick sandwiches and chips. Wow. Chips are Ritz and special sauce. Right. Ritz again, special sauce again. Uh, so yeah, here's two things that I'm noticing right off the bat. Well, first that you're doing a reverse sear on fish sticks. I mean, that's that's a singular foundational cooking skill, I would imagine. But it seems you really love Ritz. What's the fascination? Uh, aside from being trapped, it seems like you you have an armament of, of Ritz. Well, you know, Mama goes to Costco a lot. My mama loves her Ritz. I hope, not, I hope she doesn't go to Costco right now. Ritz. I mean, you know, elder people should not be going out in the corona scene. Oh, there's only a few differences between me and Mama. What's the big deal? I, and she always coughs. Oh, right. What about special sauce? Never mind your mother. What's in special sauce? Oh, Mama's special secret sauce? Yes, that one. Oh, my. Well, I, you know, I was actually going to offer it up to your listeners. If they want to subscribe to your newsletter, they can get a, a copy of Mama's special oh. secret sauce. I'll you, send it right to them. Can you give us a hint on what some of the most popular ingredients are in Mama's I, special I sauce? all the ingredients, Greg. All right. By the end of this, all of your listeners will be able to make my Mama's special secret sauce. Ooh. Is it good okay. on everything? Good on get everything. your pans ready, my boys. All right. Here we go. We got number one. Yes. Cranch. Then you got some mayo chip. Then you got some funky purple easy squirt ketchup. Mm. Then you got some blasting green easy squirt ketchup. Two ketchups. Mm. Then you got some QP mayo. Then you got a few things. I'm not sure what they are, but they're small. They're round. They might be capers or they might be caviar. I'm not sure. Who cares? Mm. Then you got fish sauce, banana sauce, oyster sauce, tiger sauce, tiger king cocktail sauce, tiger's (laughs) blood. And Skittle skins. Skittle skins? Skittle skins. You know, Skittle skins. How do you make Skittle skins? Oh, you soak the Skittles in rubbing alcohol. That takes the moisture out with reverse osmosis. This is what an influencer knows, Greg, because cooking is science. No doubt. You're like the meathead of bear, I think. Yes. Wow, we. All right. Well, I mean, it sounds great, uh, I I guess. So what's the website and when's the book coming in? Hello? Mom! Get off the phone. Oh, oh dear. Mama. Are you hungry again, Mama? You're scared. She your eats a lot. Oh, my baby oh, the kid. Crying. Oh, dear. Oh, no. What are we doing now? My mama's yelling at me, and my baby brother's crying in the tent. I don't like children crying at all, Smokey. What are you going to do about this? Oh, no, I don't know. I'm going to go get some Ritz crackers as quick as possible and subside her anger. Side, okay, uh, maybe special sauce on the Ritz, too. Oh, I just can't handle all this screaming. Yeah? I see an open door. Yeah? My bridge. My bridge is. Your bridge is there? Me, Greg. What? My bridge is. Oh, no. <laughs> Great. Great. He did it again. Oh, my God. That. Now, that very well could be the last we've heard of Smokey. There's no doubt about it. I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that we're not going to hear from him again. Although, a sauce consisting of cranch, mayo chip, funky purple and blast and green ketchup? 
Huh. Tiger sauce, banana sauce, oyster sauce, and Tiger King cocktail sauce. Things you're not finding in the <laughs> in the grocery store too much these days, I don't think. All right, thoughts and prayers with Smokey, of course. I'll talk to you quickly about the Barbecue Guru before we get to Robin from GrillGirl.com. Always believing that outdoor cooking should be easy and fun because it can be, especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. The Monolith, the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control and greater freedom with automatic temperature control. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature and let the Monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pitmaster. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill each and every time. And you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals as well. Also, if you have a Barbecue Guru controller, if you get the monolith, you just wire the controller right to the fan. It's built in, remember. BarbecueGuru.com or 800-288-GURU. And we're back with Robin right after this. Stick around. visits from a killer hog, a cooking guy, a man named Meathead, the author of Barbecue Bible, a grill girl, a bristly barbecue journalist, and the male feasance of the barbecue world known as the Embedded Correspondence. Only found right here on the Barbecue Central Show. That's right. In this portion of the show, brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories, whether you're a beginner or a professional. It's definitely a cooker you want to add to that arsenal, no doubt about it. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Third Tuesday of the month brings a visit from none other than the creator of grillgirl.com. That, of course, is Robin Lindars. Hey, Robin. Hey there. How are you? I'm good, and I'm totally cracking up because you called me a um, bristly barbecue journalist. I love it. Robin, I did not. <laughs> Hello. So cute. It's perfect. You're a grill girl. I didn't call you a bristly barbecue <laughs> journalist. That's Derek Riches. Derek Riches is the bristly barbecue journalist. Oh, yes. I thought it was funny. Oh, you're. <laughs> I said you were the grill girl. Didn't you hear him say that? That makes Robin, sense. Come on. I thought you were. I've been drinking. I was going to say, what's what's in that mug? You're just hearing what you want to hear. Oh, dear. Uh, all right. Uh, Robin is here. Third Tuesday of the month regular. Sorry. So, you know, a month ago, you know, man, I, now I'm getting it bummed out. I, I think we were all in our minds like we're screwed for good with. But maybe we really thought, but it's only really going to be for like a week or two, but it's really not like a week or two. Now we're stretching into week five and we were talking about freezer diving recipes last month. Have you gone through? Have you cooked through the freezer at this point, Robin? Like, what's the deal? You know, I haven't totally cooked through it because I've just been, I don't know, grocery shopping, but I, um, and then Susie from, from Felton Angus beef, I got a big shipment from them. I don't know if you've tried them, but, um, they're, she's awesome. She's on Instagram, uh, Susie at Felton Angus beef. And they're like, um, their motto is like, we're your family rancher. And if you follow them, you'll really kind of see behind the scenes, but, um, so they have kept me, I've had a lot of red meat and, um, yeah, we have just, I've had, I just had a lot of stuff stockpiled. So I guess that is, I've been, well, I've been going to the store for like other stuff, you know what mm. I mean? To augment it. But yeah, no, we've been freezer diving. I'm still thinking about maybe making, I've got like a whole like leg and like shoulder of like, I've got a shitload of wild boar. I've got to figure out what mm. to do with that. I'm kind of like, that's like a major thing. I'm not sure what I want to do with it yet. So and I do have an iguana in my freezer too. And actually Hank Shaw has this like Caribbean stew recipe that I was like, oh my God, this would be perfect for that iguana in my freezer because it's very similar to this stew that people have been telling me about called Wikiwachi stew that they make in South America. And his was kind of like a take on that and it would be perfect. So Wikiwachi yeah. stew. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's probably like my, my gringaized version <laughs> based on it because my friends from like um, South America gave me a whole like recount on like, you know, how they, they make 
uh, iguana dishes with like a coconut milk base. And it actually sounds really good. So um, Hank Shaw came out with one that I'm going to try. So yeah, there's lots of stuff that can be defrosted in there. Things are crazy these days. I thought things were going to be a little bit more further along than they are. And um, it's, I think I'm personally losing my freaking mind having my kid home all the time. I just, I love him, but he's so annoying. You can't say, <laughs> you, you know? can't say I love him and then, but, because now you've uh, qualified the whole statement and you've erased everything <laughs> you've said beforehand. So you just have to start the say- uh. sentence with saying he's a pain in the ass. That's what you have to say. I mean, we get it. Everybody with kids, I mean, you know, at certain ages, they're just a little hard to handle. And when you're used to operating one way and now you're forced into a different mode of life, there are some hurdles to be hurdled, as they say, not to be redundant, but sometimes you got to jump when you got to jump. Yeah, it's like it's just so hard trying to work with the little crazy wild man. You know what I mean? It's just like, how do you? He just wants to hang out. He wants to play. He wants to go catch alligators in the channel or whatever the hell is. And there you go. He he doesn't want to work. (laughs) He's got his whole rest of his life to work. Why bother working, right? Yeah, it's like, let's party. Yeah, no doubt. Every day's a party. (laughs) Let's wake up at six. Let's party and stay up until 11 and party and all that stuff. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. All right, Robin, let me ask you, this is is our uh, main topic of the evening. I'm trying to figure out where we even came up with this, but I think it was a post that you had had on your uh, blog, or maybe we had kind of conceptualized it at one point, because I had it on my outline. We just hadn't got to it in a couple weeks, and it was a smoked alligator recipe. And I was like, did you really do some kind of a smoked alligator recipe? And he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, that was like a real thing, but we just hadn't gotten to it. And then our offline discussion devolved into things that I had never even really thought of or knew you could do. So I said, Hey, let's spend a few moments because maybe there's some alligator lovers out there. And you don't just have to be in Florida or wherever the show where they're killing alligators on the television. Is that Louisiana? Wherever the hell they're at? Uh, Maybe parts of Texas. uh, These, uh, so yeah. uh, Tell us about alligator on the whole. Do you like alligator? Does your husband like alligator? Does Hunter like alligator? Uh, and, and let's go from there. Okay. So um, so I have a smoked alligator, like a whole smoked alligator recipe on the website right now by one of my contributors who sent me the photo and was like, hey, check this out. Because I think I had been um, posting some stuff on Instagram. And and so he sent that to me and I was like, oh, cool. Can I sh- can you type up the recipe and share with us what you did and we can post you on the website and put your bio there so people can learn about you. So um, so I post his name's Thomas Galliesi and I posted his recipe on my website. And if you guys follow me, you know, I like to try stuff, too. That's a little different. And I'm in Florida. So, of course, you know, there's um, you find stuff like alligator um, maybe more easily than other places. Um, so posted that on the website. But the the longer history is that a couple of years ago Scott got a tag to um to go on a an alligator hunt and he brought some home and that was one of the first times I had cooked it because he actually hunted harvested it is how they call it and so um it was actually topical because I told him I was going on your show tonight and we were going to talk about alligator and he's like oh cool well guess what um, the lottery is coming back up. Oh. And so the lottery is like how you apply to get a tag, which you have to have a tag to hunt something. And um, because alligators are federally protected and they were almost extinct, at least in Florida. Yeah. This is one, This is the one he caught a couple years ago. It was actually when I was writing my cookbook in 2018. It was like right in the middle of that. And um yeah. And so I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So they're federally protected. Actually, Scott wrote an article for uh, some magazine a while back about the whole thing because it's most people don't know. Yeah, they were pretty much almost hunted to extinction and they were um, they were finally put on the Endangered Species um, Act. And then they've they are really like a classic success story for uh, for Florida and for preservation because they they really were almost extinct and they've really now they're freaking everywhere in Florida. Oh my God. Um, so it's like, ah. um, so anyway, so yeah, so that lottery season is coming back up and, you know, since, since all this happened, Scott and I moved to Southwest Florida, we used to live in Southeast Florida. So just like straight West. Um, and 
we are renting a house on the um, Caloosahatchee River while we're building a house a little further out. And there's all these fucking alligators, right? Which is so, excuse my French, but it's, it's like, ah, because, you know, what's beautiful is you're surrounded by water because we are on a canal where it hits the river. So you're like, oh, it's so pretty. But then you're also like tormented and like terrorized a little bit because you see all these alligators swim by, you know, I mean, yeah, not right. all the time, but definitely like, and I think I'd said in a few, a few episodes ago, my, um, my, my old dog is like 14 years old and can't see worth a darn anymore fell in the canal one night and we didn't find her for 45 minutes. So thank God. Um, and she lived, she, she was uh, swimming the whole time. God bless her. And um, so, but imagine if there had been a gator there. So, um, and then we've talked about it on the show before is that, you know, if you live in Florida and you get what's called a nuisance alligator, and basically that's um, gators that aren't afraid of people anymore, then you can call the, the fish and wildlife hotline. They have a nuisance gator hotline and you can have the guy come who will catch them. Mm-hmm. And so that guy's come to our house before, but the, the last, you know, gator that was kind of hanging around a lot, hadn't seen him in a while. And then um, he came back, the alligator catcher guy came and they come and they bring, he like plays music that is supposed to lure them out and makes their noises or whatever. So he could never lure that gator away. Um, but come to find out, like he has a connection with the gator farm where they take these nuisance gators and then they harvest the meat there eventually. Like they let mm. them breed and do their thing. And that's why I have a shitload of frozen alligator meat in the freezer because I was like, oh, I might as well try to um, become a better cook at alligator meat being a Floridian. <laughs> and so I started buying meat from him. But so the story progresses with alligators that now Scott gets the opportunity to get a lottery or enter the lottery to actually hunt alligators in the river that we live on, which means we could potentially hunt that one that lives behind the house, which would be freaking awesome. Yeah, right. You could uh, (laughs) reap the rewards and and get rid of a pest all at the same time and do it legally, by the way. Because otherwise it's illegal. Yeah, right. I was going to say my uh, my dad had sent me a note saying that, uh, you know, we have a a plentiful amount of alligators. There's a, a big pond that separates one side of their house from their neighbors and there's alligators in there all the time. And I'm like, well, you, know, you can't just go in there and grab one and fry it up. That's totally illegal. Of course, dangerous, uh, of course, too, if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what about, so you get the tag uh, as I was showing, uh, the picture, uh, for instance, here's a, a very cool picture of the alligator who's obviously got somewhat of a drinking problem. And, uh, <laughs> So does this uh, is the alligator after staying home with his kid. Yeah, right. He's had too much. <laughs> That's five it. Weeks straight. Do, do you take this to a processor then? I mean, this isn't something you guys do at home and 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 finish it out in in the garage or somewhere offsite, right? Well, believe it or not, they actually did oh. finish it off in the garage. All well, right. like they so when when they went and caught that gator, we went like they they got a tag up in uh, near Lake Kissimmee and like which is kind of closer to the Orlando area, and so um, did the gator hunt. Came home with that like ten foot plus gator, yeah. And um, and then they you know they put it over ice and everything, and then they eventually took it back to a friend's house and divided up the meat and butchered it and whatever you do. And then his friend took the like remaining skin to be preserved to make stuff out of it. Wow. And then that's how we, they all like divvied up some of the different parts of the gator. And, you know, I think the, the part of the gator that most people think about and most people have had is like the tail meat, which is supposed to be kind of like the most tender, if you will. Um, but you can also get, uh, they call them the wings, which are like their little legs, <laughs> um, which I had, I actually had a couple of, I had, I did a batch of those a couple weekends ago and they truly do taste like chicken wings. I mean, um, they're pretty good. And, uh, then you can get the ribs. Um, there's probably other places I'm, I'm not thinking about, but yeah. It's, so if you it's don't, the other way, what can I say? Of course. I mean, <laughs> we thought it was iguana, the chicken of the tree. Now you got chicken of the river or whatever it is. Canal, um, and alligator. Oh, that's a good one. I like it. If you chicken don't, of the canal. chicken of the canal, if you don't have access to get a tag or you live in Florida, and uh, to me, I was like, well, I, I mean, you're screwed. You can't get alligator meat any other way. But you'd mentioned that, you know, that's not the case. 
There are much like you can get salmon, a farm raised salmon, or you name it. They have farm raised alligator that you can get. Yeah, and it's random that I know so much about this, but um, if you remember, like a while ago, I was on that show called um, American Grilled as a judge, and it was the premise of the show is like you know, they, they put these contestants together and then the judges, they have like a national judge and then like a local judge. And, um, and then David Guas, who was the, uh, like the kind of like the, um, talk, the host of the show was also a judge. And so I was on this one that was for Florida. That was kind of like representative state as like the national judge. And there was this lady named Patty register, who was the local judge. And she was literally a bonafide alligator farmer hmm. because her dad started the first roadside attraction, um, like gator roadside attraction in Florida. And then in the seventies, it also turned into a, um, they started farming because that's when it became legal was, I think it was in the seventies to actually use it, like to actually farm gators for their meat. Hmm. And so, um, I'd had, I had kind of learned about it from her and then, um, yeah, they have gator farms. So the the long end of that story is that you can actually purchase from a farm. You can get the meat. So um, just like I bought meat from the the gator catcher who you know has a relationship with that farm, um, the guy who contributed the the uh, recipe and the photos to my website, uh, Thomas Galliasi, uh, he ordered a well. They say on their website anywhere between like twenty eight and thirty one pounds. Um, you know of full gator and that's wow. that he ordered his from louisiana i think it's louisiana crawfish company or something and they they show up frozen and then you you defrost them and brine them and smoke them up all right so here's the biggest question between uh one that you would catch out of the canal in your backyard legally or one that you go through uh farm raised is there a huge taste difference is one more gamey than the other hmm you know, the, uh, I've probably had more farm raised than I've had, you know, I've only had the one that was caught the one time and I made gumbo out of it. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I thought it was good, but I think they, I th- have a feeling they would probably taste pretty similar. I mean, they might get a better diet at a farm than they would depending on where they live. You yeah. Cause know. alligators will also eat like, uh, alligators will eat boots and, 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 uh, sticks too, I think. Right. Aren't they, don't they just eat everything? They call them opportunistic eaters, mm. which is why I worry about us swimming in the canal. Yeah. <laughs> opportunistic you know? eaters. I think they also call that America, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. I've seen a lot of fat people. Uh, all right. So you have some <laughs> recipes uh, over at grillgirl.com, correct, for smoked alligator and some other stuff that we can check out? Yes, and I actually am. It's funny you mentioned because I have been working on a gumbo recipe. I'm still perfecting it, so stay tuned. But that's one I've been working on with some input of one of Scott's pretty hardcore, like, hunting friends that's um, from Louisiana. And um, with, yeah, Mm -hmm. so stay tuned. All right. So uh, we (laughs) will, maybe we can get a a run up on that next month and then also. Uh, next month, we'll talk about the uh, release of the meat calculator and how that's going, if that's all right. Yeah, Sound you guys good? check it out, Barbecue Calculator on, on Grill Girl. But yeah, we'll talk more about it. I'm going to be making a video just to intro it. But we all know how easy it is to make, I don't know, I never feel like I get that right shot. It's it's a work in progress when you when you do your own video. You know how that goes. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like somebody gives you a grill and you never use, you know, it's one of those feelings. Anyway. Uh, you can oh, go. We gotta talk about that. You no, can't even. You no, can't no, no, that. no, no, no. That's gonna be it. We go to grillgirl.com. That's where you have to go. Find <laughs> the meat calculator, the recipes. We'll get into that next month. And uh, otherwise, you can find Robin right here on the third Tuesday of each month, right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Robin, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. And I do have a somewhat risque, funny story to tell next next Ooh, episode. Way so to tease! It's about a. It's about a funny Instagram account that was created once upon a time oh all right well we'll be interested in hearing that thanks again robin look at you <laughs> robin becoming very adept at the tease as we say here in the biz all right we got plenty of stuff for next month why you should be tuning in stephen reichland's gonna tell you where bacon came from he's gonna tell you how the a5 wagyu brisket bacon tasted here on the show robin's gonna tell you about a potentially nefarious 
Instagram account? We'll see. Ben Arnott is in the green room, ready to come on here as soon as I tell you about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. We'll get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. If you want rubs and seasonings, it's the place to go. 13 perfectly balanced flavors get you on the path to success, whether you're doing it in the backyard or on the competition circuit. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce, which is a traditional sauce. Now, if you're sick of the stuff that's already on the market, you want to try something new, might I suggest Granny's Good Base Sauce if you want to start to tweak or just use it by itself. It's really good all on its own. They're also selling the very best charcoal pellet and wood cookers available today. If you're looking for a smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill, Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, and they even offer special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, no problem. Try the old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on its competition trailer. Not sure of what grill you need? Give them a call for crying out loud. Ask them all the questions. They'll make sure they answer all of the, the uh, questions that you have. Make sure you feel good about the purchase and you're ready to rock when it gets there. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Smoking Hot Confessions. Coming up, stick around. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by The Smoke Sheet, a free weekly newsletter keeping you in the know on everything happening in the barbecue world. With your co-creators, Ryan Cooper and Sean Ludwig, go to bbqnewsletter.com and sign up. A great all-in-one resource covering the live fire industry. Helping me close the show tonight is the host of his own barbecue podcast. Just recently celebrating his 100th episode. You can subscribe to it on all the major podcast platforms or by going to his website, smokinghotconfessions.com. Com. Let's race to the hotline and welcome in first-timer to the show all the way from the Gold Coast, Queensland in Australia, Ben Arnott joining me here on the show. Hey, Ben. G'day, Matt. How you doing? I'm absolutely fine. Or uh, I'm sorry, I should have said, G'day, Ben. How was that? Not that bad. was pretty spot on. I yeah. like that. All right. that's all. Guess what? That's all I got. My Australian, I'm in, I'm out. I like to do like the micro impressions that Dana Carvey talks about doing all the time now. Just one little quick bit and, you know, I I got you. I can't do anything other than that, but that's all I got. Uh, Look, Ben, before we get into the barbecue stuff this evening, uh, since it's your first time here on this show, now I'm sure a lot of people that already know about Smoking Hot Confessions know the background. But for those that don't or just tuning in for the first time here to the show, a little background about you uh, both personally and professionally, and we can build in from there. Yeah, cool. Thanks. So, uh, so by day, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I've uh, always had a bit of a passion for for education and and helping people out with that. And uh, once I really got into barbecue and and low and slow cooking as well, it sort of uh, merged into that as well. And I ended up starting up uh, the website smokinghotconfessions.com. That's what came first. And um, from there, it it uh, it evolved into a comp into a comp a competitive team. I apologize. I need another cup of coffee. It evolved into a competitive team and we toured up and down the east coast of Australia, um, ended up heading over to Houston to compete in the World's Barbecue Championships over there in 2018. That was an absolute blast. And um, somewhere along the line there, it evolved into a podcast as well. And so for the last three years now, we We've been uh, doing the podcast and it has led me literally all around Australia from the north to the south and the east to the west. Mm. I've been everywhere from Townsville down to Hobart and Brisbane across to Perth and through uh, about four or five different states in America twice. Wow. I mean, that's uh, absolute a blazing trail of barbecue. No doubt about it. Ben Arnott joining me here on the show. Smokinghotconfessions.com. The website on Instagram, Smoking Hot Confessions as well. Ben, it's safe to say that a lot of fans of barbecue podcasts have gone through the litany of other barbecue podcasts that are currently listed on the available platforms. 
Most are aware of what's currently out there. But let's just not assume that everybody knows everything. We all get in the mistakes when we do that. Your show is Smoking Hot Confession. Certainly there's a number of different avenues where you could have started getting the word out on barbecue, different uh, live streaming platforms. What drew you to podcasting first? Why that medium? Uh, probably a misspent youth playing guitar in bars, to be honest, mate. I, uh, <laughs> for a little while there, I was a, I, I was a semi-professional musician there. And so I, um, I was quite familiar with all the gadgets and the recording process and all that sort of stuff. And I, it just sort of seemed like a, a good way to merge, um, all of the different skills and things that I've acquired over time. Nice. Uh, so to get a solid background prior to going through the archives, I would suggest going to episode 100, listening to that. Your wife steps in, hosts for the first time, although she sounds like a pro, and you really kind of go into how you got started and you know, giving us the nice background that you did here. But if somebody was just going to jump in on the heels of this interview that you're doing with me, episode 100 is a good way to cut the teeth, no doubt. Yeah, it's a it, it's a great place to sort of get introduced to the show and find out um, the the full history, how it's evolved, um, you know, and most importantly, where we started, where we are now, how we got to where we are now, and interestingly, where we're planning on going because we've got some big plans happening. So, was the initial idea to cover Australia's scene and then branch out as you saw fit, or does the topic barbecue almost dictate? that the states be thrown in as it's widely considered to be the American cuisine? Um, the goal is to sort of is to just cover barbecue in all its different forms wherever it is. So mm-hmm. we've got some episodes where we um, deep dive with barbecue competitors, um, both in Australia and from the States. Um, we've got various episodes where I've actually traveled out to a barbecue joint and I'll sit down with either the head pit master or the, or the barbecue joint owner. And we'll sit there and we'll talk about that. Um, I've got a series of interviews where, um, I'll sit down with some leaders in industry, in the barbecue industry. Um, one that stands out there was, uh, I, I got to spend an hour chatting with Julianne from Jagged, which was fantastic. Got to find out about how they build all, all their beautiful smokers over in WA and then ship them all around Australia. Um, so we sort of take all, all different sort of angles there, but with a strong educational and as, as well as entertaining um, take on it all. We, we like to call it uh, edutainment. Ben Arnott joining me here on the show. Smoking Hot Confessions is the podcast. Also, the website, SmokingHotConfessions.com. So set it up for us, Ben. How does the barbecue scene Australia in Australia look now compared to when you started a handful of years ago? Oh, mate, I'll tell you what. It has been a real quick evolution. So I started competing in 2014, and at that, at that stage, it was brand new. Almost nobody knew about low and slow. Um, competitions were lucky if they had more than 10 teams. Now we're looking at competitions that have up around 100 teams, making them the biggest competitions uh, outside of America. Um, so we're, we're quite proud of that as a, as a country, as Australians. And there's some big competitions coming through in New Zealand as well. There's, uh, there's a lot of barbecue happening over there. Um, but the evolution has just been incredible. So five years ago, as I was saying, when I started, we we're all trying to basically do um, – what we considered to be great barbecue. So for example, I'm from Queensland. It's a tropical state. I'd make my own barbecue sauces with coconut and uh, pineapple and all that sort of stuff. Um, But it very quickly has evolved into um, that sort of classical competition box in terms of cooking, in terms of like, it's got to be this particular flavor profile and this sort of uh, texture and Mm. these particular cuts. Um, So yeah, we, yeah, I mean, and there's, there's, strengths and there's drawbacks to that as well but um in terms of the competitions that i've been to in america and the competitions in australia our style of cooking and our quality of cooking is now it's right up there with the best of the americans and um yeah it's it's just amazing just how quick that that has has evolved and how people have learned from such internet available resources as barbecue central show uh you know, barbecue pit boys on YouTube. You, you've got all your competitors putting out all their video stuff now, and we've had a lot of um, American competitors coming over as well to mm-hmm. to compete and do and do classes. You know, your your Sterling Smith, your Andy Groneman, uh, Big Mo Kason. Um, I think Myron Mixon's been out here once or twice, and uh, our, our very own Jess Priles, who's now uh, 
I was going to say native to Texas. She's she's an adopted Texan. Um, she quite often travels back and forth between Australia and and Texas and shares knowledge between the two as well. Guess what, Ben? She's an American now. Boom. Uh, unless, <laughs> unless I'm off base, but I, I I believe she became an American citizen not too long ago. So. Uh, oh right, I, yeah. I I must have missed that. Yeah. Um. So uh. Now here's the key question: What are the most in common items? that Australians and Americans have when it comes to barbecue and grilling? And then on the opposite side of the cone, what are the biggest differences between us in the same industry? Well, the the biggest things in common would have to be uh, brisket. Everybody loves cooking brisket. Um, that's probably the most popular beef cut at competitions. Um, we have some, some open beef categories over here where you can choose whatever cut you want to put in. It doesn't have to be brisket. Um, of course, if it's a KCBS competition, then you're – bound to follow those KCBS rules. But other competitive bodies we have here um, have far more open categories. But it doesn't matter who you you talk to. If you ask them, what are you cooking for beef open? They always say brisket. So that's probably the most in common uh, protein. Um, Some of the differences are, of course, the woods that we use. So the woods that are native to Australia are different to the ones um, in America. A a lot of people cook on post oak and that sort of things, uh, uh, that sort of thing over in Texas. Mm -hmm. Over here, we like to use iron bark on the East Coast, jam wood on on the West Coast, because those are the woods that are native to us. Um, So, and of course, then if we're talking differences as well, you'd have to talk about lamb. We, uh, Mm. We cook a lot of lamb in competitions over here and we love it. We love it, and uh, a lot of the promoters as well. They get to um, they get to choose some of their own categories. So my local competition here is the Burley Barbecue Championships, and I don't know if you've seen the photos, but we literally cook on the beach right next to the surf club, oh. and uh, it's it's in the middle of winter, and we're still all wearing shorts and t-shirts and that because we're on the Gold Coast, and it's just it's just beautiful. But there. Their uh, individual category is seafood. So you see all sorts mm. of different types of sh- uh, shellfish and uh, fish. The Great Barrier Reef is just a little bit north of here. So we get a whole lot of uh, nice fresh reef fish come down, which is really delicious. And one year they even had a fresh tailor competition where part of the part of the competition was you had to actually take your fishing rod, walk across the dunes to the beach, oh. catch your fish, bring it back in and cook it and hand it in. It oh, was wow. spectacular. It's like uh, you're doing a competition with Bear grills out there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no doubt. Pretty much. Hey, let's back up for a second. Let's talk about that lamb because I know Australia known for lamb. I think New Zealand is uh, also pretty well known for the lamb. Uh, Pat LaFrieda, I don't know if you're aware of who he is or not. We call him America's Butcher out here. He's got a, a really big meat company based in New Jersey. He had went out of his way one time in a conversation I was having with him saying that New Zealand lamb was like the worst lamb that you could ever get. Uh, of course, uh, brought on a, a bunch of upheaval after he had mentioned that, questioning why he would say that, but I guess you know he, his opinion, whatever. I had just, I've just been introduced to lamb. It's literally been a year and a month. I'd never had lamb in my life. I was at Noah Glanville's house, the owner of Pit Barrel Cooker, and he made uh, three or four racks of lamb uh, the evening that I was there visiting with him. And he's like, here, just shut up, stick it in your mouth. It's going to change your life forever. So I took the bite. You know how they are. I mean, they're just like little meat pops. I stuck it in my mouth, bit it. And he's 100% true. It was life-changing, had all the best stuff of steak qualities, but then it had this very unique lamb flavor, not bad like gamey bad or anything like that just a nice uh, unique lamb flavor and from there it was hook line and sinker but so i mean i'm getting it from uh costco for crying out loud so i don't i think that's new zealand lamb anyway from kirkland or, or that's where they're sourcing it but is there a huge difference between what you're getting there and what we will get in the states here um i'm, I'm gonna say yes um i don't actually know for sure i can't quote the, the different brands to you but um Australia is known as the land that was born on the sheep's back. So we've got tons of different uh, sheep ranches here, um, a whole lot of live exporting done, um, and we do supply lamb to a lot of different places in the world. Um, I don't, I, I can't comment on which brand Costco is using, um, but I do know that it would be a very brave thing to say that New Zealand has the worst lamb in the world. I... Um, <laughs> I'd, I know that, uh, that that a lot of people will actually argue that it's the best lamb in the world. Uh, but the the thing, when it does come to lamb, if you are talking to your butcher, you want to try and find out how old the animal was when it was processed because 
at about a year old is when lamb tastes its best. And as it gets older, it gets more of that gamey flavor. So it sounds like some of that lamb that you had there at, uh, at, at Pit Barrel Cookers might have been made, um, uh, might have been yearling lamb, which is the, mm. the perfect age to be, uh, to be chewing on down on it. All right, getting the lamb insights from Australian expert Ben Arnott uh, from Smoking Hot Confessions, smokinghotconfessions.com, his website. And that's the name of the podcast, obviously. So make sure you're subscribing to that at all the podcast platforms. All right, so as we finish it out here tonight, Ben, and I appreciate the time. Aside from yours and mine, what's your favorite barbecue-related podcast to listen to? Dig deep. Ooh, well, there's, 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 there's two that I listen to pretty often. Um, the Barbecue Beat with Kevin Sandwich is one. Love, um, love I Kevin. quite like that one. Big fan of Kevin. Does a good yep. job. Been doing it a long time, too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I quite often listen to um, Man Meat Barbecue, Mikey K. And I've started listening to the the Pitmasters podcast out of Utah. They have quite an interesting uh, an interesting take on things. Yeah, those guys. Uh, I think they're competitors, and uh, you know they sound good. They're uh, well prepared. They've gotten a bunch of really good guests right off the bat. I'm sure that helps too. So. Uh, they have a, a bunch of really unique point of views that they're putting together really well. And then it's also done well. You know, your show is done really well. You obviously have uh, the uh, forethought in mind of how your listeners are hearing the show and you uh, put that sound quality and attention to detail in the show. I think that's really what separates a lot of podcasts is, you know, it, where's the level of preparation? Are people just ham and egging it through or just mailing it in because it's just like a piece of the business? And they don't care what they sound like, so they're just spitting it out there? Or, or is it a passion for them? I mean, it sounds like it's a passion for you and for some of the other ones that you had mentioned. So I think that's why you know we continue to survive and grow and change and are successful. And the other ones that eventually end up melting away and uh, becoming pod fade, as it were. So uh, for things coming up, Ben, uh, what, what are you excited about in your next season? Um, so at the moment, thanks to COVID, we've, uh, we, we've had to cancel the season eight. Um, we, we did have an American road trip planned for 2020. Mm -hmm. We were coming back for a third time. We're going to hit up the NBBQA and then go on a, on a bit of a tour. And we were expanding the view a little bit, um, on this trip. So we were going somewhere different. We we're going to be going through Colorado, New Mexico and Wyoming. Um, so we we're going to explore things like cowboy cooking and, uh, some of the, um, the, the chuck wagon cooking as well. We we're going to get into some of that sort of stuff. So we're probably going to just uh, push all that out to 2021 mm. and, uh, and and do that trip next year. Um, just touch wood that uh, Qantas doesn't fold and we lose all that ticket money because that'll be pretty devastating no on that. Um, but j just before we do close out, mate, I did just want to just give a bit of a thank you back to you. I don't know if you remember, but before I even started the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, you actually gave me a little bit of coaching on uh, on Instagram Live Messenger. You probably get dozens of messages every day asking for tips and that, but you actually uh, sort of set me on the right track, and that got me started from the start. So I just want to say thank you for that, for uh, for giving me that um, those cornerstones of wisdom at the start. Yeah, no doubt. I do remember that, by the way. A lot of people think that I don't remember. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I don't remember a lot of stuff because my memory's bad, and my wife, uh, you know, understands that. I think she understands it. But uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to podcasting, uh, you know, if you want if you want my input, all you have to do is ask me and I'll tell you now whether you want to run with that or you know, however you want to take it from there. It's certainly up to you. But yeah, I mean, anybody I'm always open. I mean, I want to share what I know and uh, I'll tell you equipment that I use or techniques that I use and streaming software, whatever. It's an open book and it's a lot like barbecue competition class. You know, I was often asking when we had first started this, you know, why are you telling everybody everything that you're doing if i'm a competitor i wouldn't tell anybody what i was doing i would want to win as much as i could possibly win before i let the cat out of the bag and to a man and woman everybody would say well look i can tell you everything i do it's are you going to pick it up and run with that's the biggest disconnect is when we all leave this camp what are you going to be able to do with that i'm going to go continue to win because i have a proven winner and i'm doing it you're going to have to actually apply that, and, and can you do that? So uh, I take the, a similar tact on uh, giving advice and insight on podcasting. So I think you're doing a great job, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. A, I'm happy that you're here for the first time, and uh, hopefully we can turn this into a, a semi-regular occurrence because I think you have a unique uh, perspective being obviously uh, not just from the States. You come back here, your wife's 
American and you guys are living over there or you're native, obviously, over there. So it's a, a great perspective to bring in here to this show. So I would certainly appreciate that. I didn't I did want to mention this, by the way, uh, NBBQA uh, did not happen. I was going to go down to Louisville and uh, hang out with the Pit Barrel guys since they're based out of there and they're a sponsor of the show. But uh, a, a unique prize or award for Smoking Hot Confessions taking the number one position of Barbecue Podcast. So we congratulate you for that as well. Thank you very much, mate. That was uh, that was really exciting to to win that, and um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really sorry that we didn't get to catch up there this year. We'll have to do it next year. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm ready to go. It's only six hours for me. Much longer trip for you, but uh, anything that's you know within a five six <laughs> hour. If it feels like a volleyball contest travel time, then I can get with it. Otherwise, you're probably not going to see me anywhere. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, uh, you can find Ben Arnott at SmokingHotConfessions.com. It's the name of the podcast. Subscribe to that on all the major podcast platforms. Anything else before I let you go tonight, Ben? No, man. I think you've just about covered it all. Um, oh, we are doing something new at, at the moment. We're doing a Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue game show, which is quite fun as well. So if you jump onto the uh, onto the Facebook page, because we're all in lockdown at the moment, we're doing a uh, we're using the magic of the internet and we're putting on a bit of a almost TV style barbecue game show. All right, so we'll tune in for that. Make sure you tune in next week to my show because we'll be doing month two of uh, Barbecue Central Show's American Idol where we're singing, believe it or not. So either turn it up or turn it down as much as you want uh, depending on how you want to hear going forward after that or not. But uh, Ben, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. You got it. There he is, Ben Arnott from Smoking Hot Confessions. Great first time in and great perspective too. I mean, I love that getting a global view and uh, I think it continues to show that uh, a there's a lot of similarities when it comes to southern style barbecue as it moves off of uh, this continent and starts to infect everywhere else then there are some differences differences good I like it. my favorite thing about Ben he talks well he gets it he's a he is a host. Knows how to speak well, command of the language, speaks with inflection, brings good takes, not over-talking, prepared and ready to go. Great host. All right, so we'll look for him in future months here on this show. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Stick around. We'll be right back. and thighs injecting butts if you've never heard this before you might think you found the best triple x show ever let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today craig Rimpy. all right we are back and this portion of the show is being brought to you by smithfield if you can find it mouth-watering flavor no artificial ingredients smithfield fresh pork quite simply some of the best pork money can buy it is the trusted choice of world championship pitmasters for use in competitions and at their homes. Guys like Chris Lilly, Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridlin, smithfield.com. Get it while it's hot. All right, thanks again to my first hour guest, Stephen Reichlin and Ray Lampy. That's barbecuebible.com and drbbq.com. Also, in the second hour, I want to thank Robin Lindars, grillgirl.com. If you have any thoughts about getting smoked alligator, if you want to get down with smoked alligator, check her out. Next month, we'll talk about the meat calculator and a potentially nefarious Instagram account, secret Instagram account. And then closing it out was Ben Arnott from Smoking Hot Confessions, smokinghotconfessions.com. Subscribe to the podcast of the same name and all the different podcast platforms. Big show lined up for you next week, of course. We have the American Idol uh, Barbecue Central Show edition where Doug Reiser and I will be singing our own individual songs. Derek Riches, the bristly barbecue journalist, is in as well, amongst others. 
September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. on the Patio Daddio Barbecue in Boise, Idaho, and I've got it locked on the 50,000 gigawatt blowtorch of the internet that is Barbecue Central.